0: Hi everybody, I'm Chris. I'm the pastor here at Lost Flores Church, and welcome to our weekend services. We are in our second week of Advent, and we're doing a little bit differently this year, not following the pattern like normal, but today we are gonna talk about the good news that brings joy and peace to our lives, which I think is a little bit in contrary to the actual holiday season that we go through. My wife and I were just remembering this week when our kids were little, we used to do the advent calendar. So we had twenty-five days of December that we opened up the calendar and each year it got a little bit bigger and a little bit better. And I remember there were years that we were just exhausted every night. We had to open it up and we either had to drive around, and look at Christmas lights, we had to watch A Christmas movie with the kids that night or eat a special meal or or something it doesn't sound like a lot but 25 days in a row of that with five kids was exhausting (laughs) and quite honestly we look back at that and go I don't think we'd ever do that again now we had a little more energy back then but the truth is the Christmas season has become so busy and so hectic and in all honesty when I look at the Christmas story from that we find in Luke, my years of hearing the Christmas story, the different sermons I've heard, the different books I've read have all led me to believe that that Joseph and Mary showed up in Bethlehem in this big rush. And it was, it was a busy time because of the census going on. But I've always had this picture that they showed up and they had no place to go and Mary was immediately ready to give birth. It's almost as if they didn't prepare very well and Joseph had not planned ahead and gotten an in and and it's almost as if they didn't know anybody in Bethlehem. And here they come and the last thing they can do is find a stable. And so here Mary and Joseph find themselves in this outdoor type barn or stable and it's surrounded by animals and manure and smells and there they have Jesus freezing cold alone and exhausted and I want to look at this story today. I want to look at Luke chapter two because honestly Luke chapter two is the only story we have in the gospels of the birth of Jesus. And I want to look at what it actually says. And I want to look at it in light of the good news that the angels sang about that very night to the shepherds, the good news that brings joy and peace. Let's start by reading Luke chapter 2, just verses 1 through 7. In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world, and everyone went to their own town to register. in the end. Now, what I'd like to do is go back and actually look at this through the eyes of a Middle Easterner. And I use this book a lot, but it's this book right here. And it's Jesus through the eyes of a Middle Easterner. It's written by Kenneth Bailey, who's a theologian. So looking at this through the eyes of a Middle Easterner like Kenneth Bailey, it kind of opened up my eyes this week to a little bit different story. It doesn't change the story. But it just gives me a different perspective. And and here you find Mary and Joseph, and they are making their way to Bethlehem. And it says, because Joseph was in the line of David. And if that's the case, when Joseph is there in Bethlehem, which was a place that King David was very popular, he would have had a place to stay. It, there would have been family there. He, he wouldn't have been looking for another place. He wouldn't have ended up being outdoors. And, and one of those reasons is Middle Easterners, especially in that day and time, took their hospitality very seriously. They would never allow a family member or a friend or really anyone, especially a pregnant woman, to be outside. And, and so the, the first questions we need to ask ourselves here as we look through this is, what was a manger? Because that's our only clue that Jesus was born in a barn, right? So what's a manger? And the second part, the reason he was supposedly in this barn is because there's no room at the end. So what is the inn? So the first thing we're going to look at is this idea of a manger. And this is interesting and something I never knew, but most houses in the Middle East most common houses were built pretty much the same from about a thousand years before Jesus to about a thousand years after Jesus they all had the same basic design and most houses were one room and some houses had a guest room either attached to the side of it or on top of it that was there just for guests because they took having guests very seriously and so we have this one room and in that room there's a family room And then there's a lower section to that room with about a half wall and stairs that go down to it. That was the stable. So the stable was literally inside of the one room of the house. And the reason they kept their animals inside was twofold. Number one, it kept them from being stolen at night. And second thing is it kept them warm at night. Having them inside this small structure kept them warm. And then they had mangers that... the animals could eat out of that were literally built into this sloping floor, and they were carved out of the rock, and they could put hay in there or whatever, so the the animals could reach that in the night if they got hungry. And so these built-in mangers, now there are mangers that are made of wood, the ones that we picture Jesus being in, uh, but Kenneth Bailey argues that most likely the manger that Jesus was laid in, and, and whether it was a wooden one or one of the ones built into stone, either way, they were inside. They weren't in an outdoor shed or a, a stable or anything like that. They were inside somebody's home. And now, so we look at the Greek word that they use here for the inn, that there's no room at the inn. And that word is katalima. And katalima literally means a guest room. It doesn't mean a commercial inn. It means a guest room. And even if you go to Luke chapter 22, the same word here is used for the upper room where Jesus and his disciples had their last meal. It's the exact same Greek word. And the upper room was a guest room that was built on top of the house instead of on the side. And so, if we look at this here and we look at this that it's a guest room, basically what it's saying is that she laid him in a manger because she was in the main house of the family. The guest room was full. So, the, the census had caused the town to be busy and there were many people there. And so, Mary and Joseph show up at this house and the guest room isn't full. And so, they literally invite Mary and Joseph into their own living space, into their own family's space and so really there's some real hospitality going on here and you have a completely different view of the birth of Jesus and if that's the case here it doesn't change the story but it changes the picture of this that Jesus was born into this welcoming home full of family or friends or whoever they were but it was this warm wonderful place and the picture I have of that is Jesus is born into this place of joy and, and peace. Now, this doesn't change the truth of Scripture. It's just interesting that we're always adding things over time. We hear this story and this story or this sermon and this sermon. We we add all this stuff, and it's very important that we go back to the original Scripture and we look at it and, and we simplify it to what it actually was. Interestingly, this week, I took this concept home, and Lisa and Max were there, and I told them of this theory that they could have been born, that Jesus could have been born in someone's home, and they about came undone. They thought I was ruining their Christmas, and I had to take them back to the original text and show them there's really actually no place that says he was born in a stable or a barn. It could have been this. It could have been that. We don't know 100% sure. But we do know that Jesus was born and laid in a manger. And it was a very special night that has been celebrated for centuries and centuries. Now we go to Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 20. And we take a look at the story from the shepherd's point of view. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those whom his favor rests. Now don't miss the point here of this story before we go on. The point of all this is the good news. The good news that brings us joy and peace. Now let's continue. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Shepherds at one time had been a highly esteemed profession, but over the thousand years or so, they had become really an uneducated, unclean, and and even sometimes viewed as thieves (laughs) because they would let their sheep roam on people's private property. And so shepherds were not looked at kindly. Here the angels are coming to a group of people that are not just common people. These are kind of the lowest part of society, uh, viewed as unclean and even thieves. And, And so the angels, they appear to the shepherds and they tell the shepherds this good news. And the shepherds were probably thinking, if this is the Messiah, we need to stay away from him <laughs> Because the, first of all, if they want us to go see this baby, they're not going to let us in. But, but in this, they literally tell, the angels literally tell the shepherds that he's been laid in a manger, and he's been wrapped in cloth. And both of these things would indicate to the shepherds that this baby was born in a very common, simple home. And so they went and they found baby Jesus and there he was lying in this manger in this common home, probably a home just like they lived in and there they they see this and they they remember what the angels had told them and man they are there on cloud nine I mean they are singing and praising God these were simple people these were common people these were even lowly people and here. The shepherds have caused even more of an excitement and a joy in this this little home where Jesus was born. And then you have the shepherds, and then you have the wise men. Now Luke doesn't tell us about the wise men or the magi, but Matthew does. Matthew leaves out the whole birth of Jesus, but he tells us about the wise men on that night, how they made their way to Bethlehem, and it says they went into a house that Jesus was in, interestingly enough. And there, these rich men, they come in to pay their respects to Jesus and they bring these, these gifts from that are for wealthy people. And so you have the wealthy, you have the, the upper class represented, you have the lower class, you have this common home. And you have this picture that Jesus came for all of these people. And why did he come? Well, the angels told the shepherds, we bring you good news. And that good news is going to bring you joy, and it's going to bring you peace. Now, now understand, we don't have any other picture of the night that Jesus was born. We have what Luke said. We have just a little bit of what Matthew said. And that's it. We just have the small glimpse into this night. And this glimpse that we have doesn't tell us all the details, but it tells us that it was a night of joy, a night of peace, a night of worshiping and praising. Now, we've come a long ways from that first night to what Christmas is today. Here in the United States, Christmas is the time of year, right? It's not just one day anymore. It takes up months of our year Uh, businesses are focused on it. Their ads are focused on it because we spend so much money. And and if you just go back to the 1800s, my wife used to read these books uh, called Little House on the Prairie. And Laura Ingalls told these stories of growing up on the prairie. And, And I remember one of them because our kids were little and she was so excited on this Christmas morning because she got a new tin cup and a shiny penny. And I remember telling Lisa, man, I wish our kids would be excited about a tin cup and a shiny penny would make Christmas so much less stressful, right? And, and my dad, my dad remembers wanting a bike around Christmas time. It was during World War II and and his parents couldn't find any bikes. There was no bikes made. We can't imagine that in our world. If you want a bike, they're there, Right. And so they had to find this old, used, rusty bike and clean it up a little bit and put some new tires on it. And that was my dad's Christmas present, is this rusty old bike. And he was so excited about it. And
1: yeah. then
0: my Christmas drastically changed. And My Christmas, as I remember this beautiful artificial tree we put up and this train set we built below. And when we were doing that, it was such an exciting time. And why was it exciting to me? Because I was going to get presents the whole thing around Christmas was built for that Christmas morning the excitement and I remember not being able to sleep at night and my brother always telling me look you can see Rudolph's nose in the air and I'd be looking out my window desperately trying to find the red dot up there somewhere and our kids we built it up as this huge thing in this this world that we live in today has made Christmas into something completely different now I'm not here to say Christmas the way we celebrate it is bad because there's so much fun about it and there's so much of it about family, but there's also so much about it that is stressful. There's some interesting facts, some interesting facts. When you look back at the first Christmas, first of all, there was no tree. There was no lights. There was no presents exchanged. All these traditions came hundreds of years later, right? Last year, holiday retail sales for the first time reached $1 trillion. That's one with 12 zeros after it. $1 trillion. The average U.S. household spent almost $1,600 per household on Christmas. 22% of households in the United States expect to go in debt during the holiday season. They expect to rack up debt and put themselves in a bad financial situation. Here's some interesting tracks, facts just about Christmas trees, okay? In two, 2020, there was 32.8 million real Christmas trees sold. There was 20 million fake Christmas trees sold. But do you know how much that, if you average out the cost of them, it equals $4.5 billion worth of trees, Christmas trees, because every house has to have one. Now, again, I'm not trying to wreck Christmas for anybody, but, but listen to what I'm trying to say here. This is a far cry from the night that Jesus was born. This is a long ways from that night when the angel said, man, I'm bringing you good news of joy and peace. It didn't say I'm gonna bring you stress. I'm gonna bring you debt. I'm going to bring you presents. I'm going to bring, no, those joy and peace. That was the good news of Christmas. A Savior had been born. A Savior that was going to set us free so that we could live forever with him. One of the problems that has happened, and the reason I pointed out the fact that maybe Jesus wasn't born in a stable, now, maybe just, we've told so many stories, we've got things mixed up and disrupted. And, and the truth is, over time, if we're not careful, this happens and this happens. And we get a little this and a little that. And what happens is it steals our joy. And it steals our peace. And it steals our our hope. This week, after everyone was in bed, I, I went outside and I sat in a chair and I just looked up at the stars. It was dark and, and the first thing I realized is my Christmas lights that I have up outside literally were blocking my view of the stars. And so I unplugged them, I went back to the chair and I sat down and I looked up at the sky and I had this moment of just being alone with Jesus just experiencing his peace and his joy. And I sat there and I I prayed in the quiet and the darkness, and I thought, maybe this, this is what the first Christmas was like. Maybe that's what the shepherds were experiencing when the angels showed up, or after they showed up, and they went back out into the fields, and they're like, wow, they experienced the peace and the joy. You know what my hope is? This year. My hope is that we don't try to outdo last Christmas. That we don't try to outdo our neighbors. And put up more lights than them. That instead. We try. To rediscover. Something about that first Christmas. The simplicity of it. That we really grasp a hold of the good news. The angels were singing about. That are gonna, that's going to give us joy and peace. Not stress and anxiety, but joy and peace. That's my prayer for us, is that we push away all the other stuff for at least a short time this Christmas season and really experience Christmas. Let me pray for us. Dear Heavenly Father, I pray that you would free us from the stress and the anxiety of this season. And I pray, Lord, you'd take the blinders off so that we can see you and we can worship and praise you the way the angels did, the way the wise men did, the way Mary and Joseph did. I pray that you'd fill us with peace and joy. Amen.